We're, uh, we're continuing I Dare You today, Lessons in Biblical Courage. Uh, my kids, I tell them that um, in order to have courage, you have to first be afraid. Um, and I think that's mostly true, but it's not totally true. Uh, there are, there's, there's a type of courage that comes not from, you know, you're in fear or you're afraid of things and then you overcome that. There's a type of uh, courage that comes from just being mad, just being angry. Um, and we're, <laughs> we're going to see that today. Uh, it's, and it reminds me of um, 1992 Tombstone, uh, Wyatt Earp, uh, played by, what's his name? No, Val Kilmer's Doc Holliday. Kurt Russell, yes, Kurt Russell. Of um, the movie about going to Chinatown, and then like the guy blew up. He's in that one too. Uh, but Kurt Russell plays Wyatt Earp. Uh, yeah, Val Kilmer's Doc Holliday. And there's a, a point where Kurt Russell, uh, Wyatt Earp's brother, one of them has died. He's been killed by the the gang, the Cowboys. One other one's been shot and had to leave. And so he's sworn that he's gonna he's gonna avenge them. And so he takes his buddies, and they're going after the the gang, the Cowboys. And at one point, they come into an ambush. And um, the cowboys are in front of them and behind them, and they're shooting them. And uh, everyone's looking at Wyatt Earp like, oh my gosh, we're done for. And, and there's this moment where it's like close up on Kurt Russell, and he does his angry face. And if you know, I mean, Kurt Russell does angry better than most people. And then he stands up in the midst of all the shooting, and he goes, no! If you've seen the movie, it's like the whoa, crazy scene. And he just like walks across with like a shotgun. You know, it's, it's an action movie, so he kills everybody. Um, but the, the, there, there's not a sense of, of courage there that's like, it's like he's afraid and he overcomes it. No, this is courage that comes from the guts of somebody who is righteously angry. Um, he's really mad because things have gone wrong and he, and he has to deal with it. We're going to see that today with Paul, and it's a, it's a longer text, so I've broken it up, but um, we're, going to, we're going to see Paul get really mad, and we're going to see the kind of courage that can come from righteous anger. So uh, one day as we were going to the place of prayer, we, um, Luke, the, uh, Luke, the doctor, the angelic doctor, he wrote Luke and Acts, and this portion of Acts, Acts um, 15, 16, I think a little bit of 17, are all uh, written in the first person, because Luke was actually here for this. This is his memoirs. He traveled with Paul. And so he's telling the, a story of, of what happened when he was with Paul. And so we, Luke, Paul, and Silas, met a slave girl who had a python spirit and brought her owners a great deal of money by fortune-telling. While she followed Paul and us, she would cry out, These men are slaves of the highest God, the top God, who proclaim to you a way of salvation or deliverance. She kept doing this for many days, but Paul, very much annoyed turned and said, not to the girl, but to the spirit, I order you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and it came out that very hour. Now, if you're following, uh, if you have your, um, if you brought a Bible, or you have, you know, your, your phone, or your iPad, or you're even using the analog Bible in the pews, um, you'll notice that I've made an adjustment here. You, uh, normally, it says it's a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. But I've translated it python spirit, because that's literally what the Greek says. It's a spirit of puthon which is where we get our word python. Um, in, the Greek, in Greek mythology, python was a dragon, uh, a dragon who protected the oracle at Delphi. 
In the ancient world, the Oracle at Delphi was the number one place where the spirit of, of psychic kind of power of knowing the future, being able to tell people, you know, how to get rich, have the, you know, the most sex, um, the best, all the best stuff, like what you should do with opportunities. The Oracle of Delphi was the place where that happened, and traditionally it had been protected by Python the dragon. Uh, Python the dragon was defeated by Apollo. We have a picture here of Apollo shooting him with arrows. Um, and after Apollo had slain Python the dragon, he still allowed the dragon spirit to, uh, to help him protect the oracle at Delphi. So what's happened is there's a girl who, um, who's owned, she's, she's a slave girl, and somehow she's gotten um, the python, the dragon spirit, in her belly. Uh, in the ancient world, what would happen for psychics and fortune tellers is they would do what's called belly talking. They would make these groans. Um, the spirit would be inside their belly and go like, like that. And then they would interpret and tell what the, the dragon was saying. Um, and this was actually very effective. In fact, um, if you notice there, the, the, her owners are making a great deal of money off of her. She, she's almost like a startup, right? So a bunch of people have spent the money to, you know, Slavery in the ancient world wasn't like what we think of in, in American history, but it was still not great. But they, they invested in her, purchased her, and she was making a really good return on their investment. Now, if you notice also, um, I think, uh, Marilyn, go back to, go back to the, t- uh, the first text. Yeah, um, the highest God. If you're, you're hearing, or if you look in other translations, it'll say the most high God. And it sounds like this is a good thing. There, there, it sounds like she's following Paul and Silas and telling the truth, right? She's like, hey, these guys, they're slaves of the most high God. She's a slave of, the, of the, her owners and the dragon spirit. And Paul and Silas are slaves of the most high God. Um, and they're proclaiming a way of salvation. This sounds like the truth to us in English. But it would not have sounded like the truth to Paul. Um, when Luke uses the phrase that, that gets translated the most high God, it's always, he uses it several times in Luke and Acts. It only shows up in the mouths of demons. It's never something, uh, it's never a phrase that's used by anybody who's, you know, a good guy like Jesus or the disciples or anything like that. And there's a reason. The reason is that um, this is a common phrase in the ancient world to mean something like, you know, whoever the boss God is, the top God. And so if you're in, uh, there in Philippi, in Philippi, the top god would have been, you know, either the Roman emperor or perhaps Zeus or Jupiter. Um, and so she goes around going, hey, these guys, they're slaves, they're servants of the, the top god. And what people would hear was not Yahweh, god of Israel, but instead, you know, Zeus or, or, um, or maybe their personal family god, if they thought that that family god was the highest god. Okay? And notice also that she says uh, they're proclaiming a way of salvation, not the way of salvation. This is very important. Greek is, is very clear. The Greek is very clear here. It's a way of deliverance, not the way of deliverance. So what she's doing is she's following them around, and she's famous. She's making a lot of money because she's a really good fortune teller. She's a really good psychic. She's got the belly dragon god going. Um, and she's following these guys, and she's saying, oh, oh here's some guys who, they, they serve a top god. They're going to show you a way of deliverance. You don't need them. You've got me. 
You want to know which job opportunities to take? You want to know who's going to show you love? You want to know all the things that matter to human beings, whether or not you're going to have an heir, and if so, when? If you want to know all of the things that are important in life, who do you go to? Not these two clowns, but me. I've got the dragon in my belly. And so so this happens, and they're actually they're going to the synagogue, the place of prayer, and finally Paul's like, I can't deal with this anymore. I can't stand this. And so not to the girl, he speaks right to her belly. He's looking right at her belly. He says, I order you in the name of Jesus Christ, get out. So what happens next? When her owner saw that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. When they had brought them before the magistrates, they said, these men are disturbing our city. They're Jews. Um, By the way, Philippi was a pretty anti-Semitic city at the time, uh, so this is a slur on them. And are advocating customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to adopt or observe. What they're, they're lying about Paul and Silas. They're saying that Paul and Silas are doing what the Jews always do, which is tell us we can't eat uh, pork and we've got to, uh, to make the circumcision. Those are terrible things for Romans. These guys are awful. The crowd joined in attacking them. The magistrates had them stripped of their clothing and ordered them to be beaten with rods. It's, an, it's, it's on for us. I mean, for most, I mean, has anyone here, like, actually seen someone who's possessed by a demon? No one's seen that? Nobody. No one's seen that. Uh, probably if we have an idea of what that looks like, it comes from The Exorcist, um, that movie, which I've never seen, but apparently it's about Catholic priests who, or, like, their expertise is in, you know, getting demons out of people. Um, I, too, have never seen that. I've, I've heard some weird stories, and I've seen some weird videos on YouTube. Uh, but I've never actually experienced anything like what people, you know, what seems to be described there, where, like, someone has a belly rumbling, and then they can tell the truth about, you know, people's future, things like that. I, that's, um, so I'm not sure what to make of that. I, I, I have seen something similar to that when uh, Aaron and I um, were in Haiti. You know, we, we saw some of the voodoo ceremonies or from a distance that would take place overnight. Um, one of the things that would happen is they would, you know, light things on fire and there would be um, chanting and bleeding and blood. I got a, a shot here of, um, of voodoo, uh, some voodoo priestesses um, performing or having performed. And, and, and that seemed much closer to something like um, the demonic uh, that we would, you know, understand, I guess, as, as demonic, where it seemed like there was something very spiritual, very dark going on. Um, but again, we heard stories of people who, but we never really saw anything like that. Um, and I think there's a reason for that. I think that the reason that we're not for, uh, confronted with this type of demonic activity is that in the first world West, you know, we've got mental health professionals, and we've got hospitals and science and all of that. And so um, I think the enemy probably takes a di- different tack, kind of goes a different way, um, but still trying to accomplish the same goals. Okay, so I just want you to stop for a second and think about what was the point of the dragon spirit taking over that, that girl? What was the point? Why would the dragon spirit do that? Why would Python do that? For fun? 
When the demonic gets involved um, with our world, what, what's going on is the enemy is trying to seize um, power, authority, um, wealth, and, 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 and move it towards the enemy's, you know, good, the enemy's goals, not, not God's. Okay, that's what, that's what you see every time there's demonic power. Did you notice, did you notice that immediately as soon as Paul um, exercises this demon, suddenly um, all the, the consortium of her owners, they're out of money, right? Immediately they're economic, and they were rich guys. They had, a, and they had enough influence and authority that they were able to get the officials, the magistrates, to, uh, to, to beat uh, Paul and Silas. There, there, it seems like it's not just that, that there's a girl who's possessed um, by the dragon spirit. There's something more going on. The demonic is in, in, it's interested in creating a system where wealth, influence, authority, power are all directed towards things that, that God doesn't want. Antichristic ends, if you will. And so the female psychic, she goes around, she's, she's gonna tell you everything you need to know about making money, having sex, enjoying your life, all those, she's gonna do all of that for you. She's incredibly accurate at it, and as a result, She's going to amass wealth for people around her, and they're going to have influence over the city and the town and the institutions around it. And as a result, the entire area is going to be enslaved, owned by the enemy's desires and ends. And so it's a really, really good thing that that could never happen to us. Next slide. I'm going to take my shot here. I know you guys don't like this, but if we're being honest and we look at American culture right now in this moment, is there any greater confluence of power and wealth and a desire to destroy or disrupt God's goals and ends than you see in our tech overlords. I could go on and on because this is something that animates me. I get upset about it. I get really angry. I could tell you, for example, that um, Google, did you know that Google has their like person of the day or whatever? So if you go on Google's homepage, every day they're celebrating somebody. You know who they never celebrate? Christians. <laughs> Amazon uh, has gotten in the censorship business. So um, there's books that you can't get on Amazon. Um, and they're, they're, quietly, they're quietly just swept off to the side. They don't tell you. It just doesn't show up in your search anymore. You know who writes those books? Christians. If you've seen that documentary, you know what Facebook and Instagram are doing to your feeds. They're curating them so that you can't see. You're siloed. You're, you're, you're unable to see what's out there. Uh, Snapchat has um, given youth a way to engage in um, soft and sometimes hardcore pornography without their parents ever knowing, sharing um, minor to minor. I pick on these guys because um, hopefully we're all sort of in agreement that um, 
that wow. But you know, you could go on, right? That like I, I don't want to I don't want to touch politics because <laughs> I know that I'll get more and more angry emails. <laughs> um, but wow, I, I just wonder. Like, doesn't it seem like maybe politicians uh, kind of sit at a nexus between um, money and power and and promoting and and things that are just simply 100% against the gospel of Jesus. But it doesn't have to be at a, at a at the high level. It can be at a very local level. Um, if you look and you start to see what you know di- different businesses are doing, you, you start to realize that even a small institution, a small business, can become very, very corrupted and can be very, very much uh, using money to get power in order to suppress or oppress Christians. I think probably one of the reasons that Luke tells us it took many days before Paul finally had it up to here is because Paul knew exactly what would happen if he said no. And yet he did it anyway. Because the righteous rage of somebody who was, I mean, poor girl, she's being co-opted by these awful forces in order to institute and sustain an antichristic regime, Paul finally said, I've had enough of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, be gone. He's a demonic disruptor. Paul comes into a world fully owned by the demonic and says, no. And so I dare you to become a demonic disruptor. I dare every person here to, to start looking around and recognize the places that are owned by enemy power, where you see the confluence of, of wealth and power and antichristic activity, and you stand up and you say no, and it doesn't have to be against Google, although I have a suggestion here. Try to find alternatives. This next slide. Try to find some alternatives to, you know, tech oligarchy. Do it. Like, the, you have power. A little bit. Tiny. Use it. Um, and again, like if you find out that, that people and, and businesses around here and, and, and institutions are, are being corrupted, just say no. I mean, I know that we had a, a big deal with um, when Boy Scouts of America kind of started departing from some of its traditional um, beliefs, you know, they started having Christ-centered troops. And so Stony Brook sponsors a Christ-centered troop. And I think Brady, um, Brady Grimm's a part of that um, and Logan Schmalhofer. An alternative to this anti-us regime. Number two. (laughs) Use Amazon Smile. I know, we're all addicted to Amazon. Who gets at least one package a day? Don't lie. You guys are a bunch of liars. Okay, all right. Once every three days. Man, I got some holy people in this church. Look at you. We can't, we can't go a day without Amazon. So my mom was like, she was like, look, we're Amazon addicts. We've been Prime members since 2000, like over 20 years. Um, we, can never, we can never get away from Amazon. But, she says, one thing you can do is you can sign up for Amazon Smile. And you can use Amazon Smile to search. And what that does is you sign up for your favorite charity, Coast Bible Church. And every time you buy something from Amazon, we get like a, a fraction of a cent. <laughs> We can really stick it to the man. Uh, but no, I'm serious though. Uh, 
Look, use the power of the enemy in whatever small way you can against them. Fund something that you believe in. We used to do a Camp Allendale. If there's, if there's somebody that you believe, if you're going to spend, if you're going to buy, man, we bought the dumbest thing. <laughs> I, we, our family's been going through some trauma. And so, and so I found on the, on the Amazon a pellet ice maker. This is an ice maker that you plug in and it makes Sonic slash Chick-fil-A ice. You've had that stuff, right? I mean, it's like crack. It's amazing. You put that in your Diet Coke and it's like, whoo, next level. 450 bucks. And I was like, wow, we can't afford that. I was like, hey, mom, for my birthday. <laughs> but my mom bought it with Amazon Smile. And so a dollar and 22 cents came to Coast Bible Church. <laughs> Victory in the culture war. Uh, number three, um, counter dis and misinformation. Did you notice one of the things that, uh, <laughs> that the, uh, the owners of, of the girl, after you know, Paul frees her, what do they do? They lie about him. They go to the magistrates and they tell bald-faced, complete, absolute nonsense lies. Paul, Paul and Silas, all they were doing was going around preaching Jesus. They weren't like, they weren't doing anything, and these guys just lied. Well, I don't want to say that our tech oligarchy, and I don't want to say that you're constantly, you know, being fed misinformation, disinformation from your cable news and your... But, but maybe you are, and if you are, bravely counter it. Don't just stand there and take it. Tell the truth. And support the ones who do. All right, well, let's tap in. So, so here we go. So, so Paul dares to become a demonic disruptor. What happens? Uh, first, they're beaten, and then this. After they'd been given a severe flogging, they threw Paul and Silas into prison and ordered the jailer to keep them securely. Following these instructions, he put them in the innermost cell, the center of the prison, and fastened their feet in the stocks. Uh, probably not hanging upside down, but possibly hanging upside down. Um, these are clamps that would attach to the wall. About midnight, Paul and Silas, like everyone who goes to jail and gets put in the stocks, were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was an earthquake so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were unfastened. I know none of us, does it, well, I, we got some older people here. Do you listen to the radio still? That's a little shot. Sure, I took it. It's fine. Um, I admit sometimes I listen to the radio. Uh, my mom listens to Sirius uh, XM, and her favorite station is The Message. Um, and if you listen to the uh, regular radio, what's, what channel is Air One? 92.7. Um, interestingly, uh, 2019, uh, when Air One first came out, like, you know, 10, 15 years ago, whatever it was, um, they, 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 their thing was contemporary Christian artists. Right, and so you'd hear a lot of rock songs about Jesus. Jesus, you know, is awesome, and now my life is better. Stuff like that. Um, in 2019, they made a major shift in their programming, where they stopped playing, at least mostly, stopped playing um, this is my song about God and, and how great my life is, to straight worship music, modern worship. And one of the things interesting about modern worship is if you listen to it, and even we heard it today um, with, with Jaira, that song, um, most modern worship kind of takes its, its cue from lament-type songs. 
Okay, and so if you listen to Message or Air One on the radio or whatever the equivalent is on, you know, the Spotify playlist, what you'll hear is a whole lot of songs that are structured like this. God, my life is really bad right now, and I'm having a really hard time. But I trust that you're good, I trust that you're in control, and I believe that you're enough. I don't want to give like a, a, a percentage to it, but I would, I would suggest probably at least half, maybe more than half of modern worship follows this arc. God, things are really bad. I'm broken. I'm hurting. Um, some of it's my fault. Some of it's not. I know that you're amazing and you can do incredible things. Do something incredible for me. My guess is, is that um, when Paul and Silas are in, are in jail, they're singing something like that. That's probably the arc of the type of thing that they're singing. They certainly don't want to stay in jail. They're not happy there. But at the same time, they, they're, they're singing hymns. And for early Christians, hymns were generally psalms or you know, maybe newer songs that were developed based on the psalms. And the psalms very much have this kind of arc. And so there's very, it's very possible, it's probable, that Paul and Silas are sitting there being like, God... Things have gone bad. We will get really use some rescue here. But at the same time, whatever you decide, whatever you say, you're still God. You're amazing. You're the best. You are the king. You do what you like, and no matter what happens, we're going to keep praising you. This type of... Um, this type of praise, it can give us comfort and often very much does, which I think is why um, stations like Air One and The Message have been so successful since this kind of shift. Um, but what they can always do is they can free us from a place of despair. Paul and Silas don't know that an earthquake's going to come and set them free. They have no idea that that's going to happen. As far as they know, they, they, they've already been beaten. It's very possible that they can get executed. This is a theme in Paul's life. He's always on the edge of being killed. But one of the things that Paul knows is that when you're praising God, you're saying, even if the worst happens to me, I know that you are going to bring something out of it that's good. You truly are the king. Whatever happens, you win. And because of that, I can accept your comfort now. Because in the end, you will do what, what must be done and all of creation will bend its knee and praise your name. And so if you choose to be a demonic disruptor, you are going to get hurt. It's like when you kick a hornet's nest. The enemy is going to be angry and the enemy is going to sting you. I dare you to praise through the pain. Easier said than done, and I know that deeply. With, uh, you know, my dad's traumatic brain injury and, and the prayers to, to see his healing, 
It's a challenging commitment that sometimes praising God doesn't make me feel any better at all. But saying, God, you're the king and you will do great things can, can give me a sense that whatever happens with my dad, whatever happens with our family, God's still God and God's still good. what happened to Paul and Silas. They're freed, right? They're freed. The earthquake comes, breaks their chains. First they go and they wreck the demonic. They just confront the demonic. The demonic fights back and says, you're not going to get out of this without some some hurt. And so they're in prison and they're praying, God, save us. Um, God, you're good. God, you're amazing. Um, and then an earthquake comes, shatters their chains, and they, and they immediately, they just, they run out of the prison and they just praise God. Let's uh, see it in the text right here. When the jailer woke up and saw the prison doors wide open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, since he supposed that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted in a loud voice, Don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights, and rushing in, he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them outside and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they answered, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Marilyn, uh, we'll just, we're, thanks for, yeah, just due to time, we'll just stick with this. What? <laughs> what an odd response. Paul and Silas have stood up against, they're praying to God, they're praising God, they're praying, they're, they're seeking deliverance, and, and, and divine action takes place, right? <laughs> the, the whole prison shakes. Their shackles are torn away from the wall. They're, they're able to, the, the, the door is wide open. My dad hates a lot of movies. Most of them involve uh, talking animals. So uh, he, he has this. There's a, he has a he has a soft spot for uh, Robin Hood, 1973, um, Disney. But any other movie that involves talking animals just makes him angry. He uh, he just thinks it's silly and he can't stand it. And this this actually began in 1992 when he saw uh, with me in the theater the Lion King. He uh, we were watching this movie. And that was the turning point, where before he'd been kind of like, okay, yeah, cartoons are cool, whatever. But once he saw The Lion King, he, it broke him in, in some deep uh, foundational ways. And, what, and, 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 and the, the, the scene that got him was Hakuna Matata. Is that, everyone knows this song? I mean, it's like, it's so catchy. Hakuna Matata, what a wonderful phrase. Hakuna Matata, ain't no passing craze. It means no worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem-free philosophy. Hakuna Matata. Yeah, uh, so my dad, um, when he was in college, he was beating up hippies. Okay, that was like his thing. Um, and so when he saw this movie... And if you're, you know, you're familiar with the film, Simba, like, he loses, um, you know, his father, and he runs away, and he's, he's depressed or whatever. And he runs into Timon and Pumbaa, and they're like, buddy, 
Great news, man. All that responsibility and worrying about the king. Forget it, bro. Hakuna Matata. Just, you know, no worries, man. Just, just chill. Like, oh, look, the, you know, if you're, you, and then the, the, so they're singing the song, and then it shows all the fun stuff they're doing. They're, like, rolling in the mud. They're diving into the water. They're eating peaches off the tree. Like, it's this awesome way of doing life where you just don't worry about anything except having fun. My daddy was like, that stinks of dirty hippie philosophy. And I will never pay attention to another speaking or singing animal ever again. Of course, he <laughs> kind of ignored the fact that actually if you're watching the film, like the narrative, what, what happens is after they sing this song and, you know, uh, Simba buys into this philosophy, well, what happens is we realize, wait a minute, this wasn't a good thing. This is a problem. Because while Simba's off doing, you know, he's been freed, he's liberated, he got rescued by Timon and Pumbaa. They're eating caterpillars, they're rolling around on the savanna, they're having an amazing life. And yet, because he's, he's been freed, but all of the people that he loved and cared about have become enslaved to hyenas. And the hyenas have wrecked Pride Rock, they've destroyed everything, everyone's starving. But hey, Hakuna Matata! And it takes his childhood sweetheart, Nala, to come and, and, and shake Simba up and say, do you not remember why you ran in the first place? Do you not recall what you've been called to do? You're supposed to be the king. It's your job to take care of us. It's great that you've got your rescue. What about our rescue? And so Timon and, 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 and Pumbaa and, and Simba, they all, they reject the life of Hakuna Matata. They go back and, they, and they, they set things right. They save Pride Rock. Similarly, Paul and Silas cry, God, save us! All right, you're free! But you imagine Paul and Silas sitting there being like, but why, why did we get into this in the first place? How did we end up here, and why? It's because we were sick and tired of seeing the demonic powers rule. We were, and we kicked that nest, knowing full well it was going to come and sting us. But the point, the whole point of us even being here in Philippi, was to see people saved, to see Jesus win, to smash the chains, and to see people come to him, to have life in his name. That was the whole point. Maybe it's not about us getting saved and delivered. Maybe it's really about this jailer getting saved. And all of his, his family and servants and connections. I mean, household in the ancient world is like his entire sphere of influence, all of his close friends, everybody who, who was a part of this jailer's life, every single one of them come to believe because Paul and Silas say, rather than saving us, Let's see God save him. And so I dare you. I dare you to save others instead of yourself. This ark 
this ark, uh, it's, it's consistent, by the way, throughout the New Testament. In fact, um, if you're familiar with this, uh, the story of the Gerasene demoniac in Mark 5, this, an exact similar thing happens where Jesus comes, he, he, uh, he ex- uh, exercises legion, the demon, from this man. The demon goes into the pigs. The pigs die. All the people who are raising the pigs are mad because their economy has been turned upside down, so they want to kill Jesus and get rid of this guy. It's the same thing over and over. Wherever the de- demonic powers are, it's bound up with the economy. It's bound up with power. And when, when, when people like us, when we decide to say, yes, God, yes, in the name of Jesus Christ, be gone. Get out of here. These demonic powers, be, be gone. Every single time this happens, there's a kicking of the hornet's nest. There's stabbing. There's, there's a, but there's always an opportunity at the end. An opportunity to see other people, new people, saved, delivered, because they're witnessing us in the middle of what we're doing for God. And can you imagine what it would be like if every single one of us here, sometimes in, in groups who we you know, discern together or uh, individually, if we, if we all of us started looking around and saying, where, where are the demonic strongholds? And, you know, if you're like me, you're like, Google, that's fine. But it can also be, it could be a demonic stronghold of, of just um, a, a small community or institution that you're aware of. You know, it could be a, a group of people or a business or it could, be, it could be a church that you know about. It can be a lot of places where the money and the power get bound up with going against the things that Jesus stands for. If you locate, if, imagine if every single one of us located that, located something like that and said, no, no, and found a way through prayer and action to kick the hornet's nest. To endure and praise through the pain that comes. And then see that lead to saving others and not ourselves. Imagine how much of the hate and division that we're experiencing in this small, you know, Orange County and then in California and the United States of America and really the whole of the West, how much it could be overcome if Christians would just say no! tired of seeing you rule and I'm willing to suffer to see your rule end and when it does I cannot wait to see the people who will come to Jesus and live life eternal and free because of it let's pray Gracious God and Father, we thank you so much for the protection and provision you've given us. You truly are Jaira. You truly are the provider. You are enough. God, we confess that the enemy's not done. The enemy has strongholds in the highest reaches of our culture and also in our own communities. God, may your spirit empower us to be encouraged in righteous anger to say no and to step in to disrupt the demonic. To praise you through the pain regardless of the circumstances. To confess your lordship and your power. And to see not 
ourselves saved, God, but the people you're calling to yourself in the gospel, the people who are wrapped up in these regimes, the people who are enslaved, God, may we see them saved. In all of it, Father, we confess that we need you every single hour. Our strength is not enough. It has to come from you. We confess that to you now, and we ask for that strength. In Jesus' name, amen.